Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the line. The Army Ordnance Corps. Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Once again, I am Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command. And today we have a topical issue. Uh, we have is we find ourselves in Army History Month. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means. It's a relatively new concept. And so to talk about that, we are welcoming part of our 19th ESC Military Equal Opportunity uh, directorate. So we, with us today, we have Lieutenant Colonel Tom Campbell and Sergeant First Class Juan Negron. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you for having us. And so uh, Army History Month, like I said, um, before we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but first of all, I want to get both of your backstory a little bit. Sir, especially with you, I think you might be the first equal opportunity officer I've ever met. So are, are there not that many of you or is it a little different to get into that career path as an officer? No, it, it, there is opportunity there. The Diomi course uh, in uh, Florida uh, went virtual and uh, basically capped their uh, their training. So they, they stopped having people coming into the course, came up with a virtual curriculum, and now they just have a backlog. Um, it's a good, just like a lot of officers do IG, um, Mio is a great broadening opportunity. Um, a branch manager uh, offered uh, to come back to Korea too, sure. Uh, so. Uh, uh, going into my finishing up my first year, going into my second, and it's been a great experience. This for I, what I thought about Mio and what actually happens has been the biggest eye-opening thing. There's a lot more behind the curtain type experiences on a weekly basis that you deal with units uh, to mitigate uh, issues and solve problems at the lowest level. Okay, great. Well, we'll touch on that a little bit later for sure. And uh, starting to grow, is, have, is this your first um, assignment as a, a Mio NCO? It is. Uh, this is my first assignment. I was actually a human resources uh, sergeant uh, before becoming a military opportunity advisor. This for us is a broadening assignment. So I'm doing two years. So this will be my first and last uh, PCSing as a senior human resource sergeant. But with uh, I became a military opportunity advisor. Uh, I was DA selected. I was one of the very few DA selected when I went to the class. Uh, the instructors uh, didn't actually think I was DA selected, I have to tell them, because usually this is a volunteer assignment. You want to be an equal opportunity advisor to be successful at it. Um, this is something that I didn't see myself doing. I was a SARC before, and once the Army told me I had to do it, I embraced it. Um, I have no idea what was, uh, what was I going to find, what was I going to do, and I did learn a lot. Uh, I did grow a lot as an individual, not only as a professional, but as an individual, I got to look deep within myself and actually help others, which is something that I like doing. So I'm actually very glad that the Army gave me this opportunity. Yeah, that's great. And then, so you you didn't do the virtual course. You did. You went to Florida 
Sad, sadly, no. Oh. I actually went to the first virtual course, uh, which for us, it wasn't necessarily refined. So it was uh, a lot longer than it is now. And it was more difficult because uh, the concept wasn't there. It was uh, basically the pilot class for the virtual course. As a notoriously good location in Florida, right? The, yes. But none of us have been there. <laughs> Someday, maybe. Okay. Our instructors uh, were, were, were going virtual from their backyards and their backyard as a view of Cape Canaveral. So oh, wow. It was a good Well, good yeah, location. and within the PAO community, it's one of the, uh, like, uh, hush hush assignments that everyone wants you know that you you whisper to your branch manager like is Diomi open is it a- <laughs> yeah <laughs> so who knows someday maybe but uh let, let's let's focus a little bit on uh main reason we're here today so it's, it's army june is army history month which uh for those of us who have been in for a while this seems like a relatively new concept and uh so can, can you speak on what 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 army history month is and how it's different from other um concepts before yeah. Yes, well, the DA Department of Army mandates that June is Army Heritage Month. Oh, heritage, okay. Yeah, and that is to recognize diversity, pr- promote cohesive, cohesiveness, and esprit de corps with the unit. It's also recognize diversity within the Army. Uh, basically, units are delegated to come up with events, like one we'll talk about later, uh, promoting the Army, Army val- values and highlighting uh, heritage awareness uh, and we have a great location just north of us um, so yeah we, we do have a great location so um, and we, we've talked a little bit about I think in one of our prior podcasts we discussed it really anytime I have someone from Carol I bring up Hill 303 because it was one of the first things I did when I got to this unit was doing that hike so sorry Negron, what what is what are you able to do with that location to, to promote the history here so with the uh, Hill 303 and all the history that went there, um, sadly, the loss of lives, uh, the massacre site. Um, but it also includes how soldiers um, got together, how people got together, fought together, brought in, in an environment that was, uh, at that time, it was a very, a very different uh, world than what we see it today. Um, the inclusiveness, uh, we were segregated as a society. Uh, people weren't working together. The, the way that sexism and those rules that applied, um, that was normal at the time as a society, not only in the U.S., but in many other places around the world, uh, they put the differences aside, and they used that diversity, the language barriers, everything that they can put together. And they use us as, as, as a strength, not as a weakness, not as a separating people, but putting them together. Uh, that was key to victory. Having that uh, diversity, that cohesion, bringing everybody together was definitely uh, was the key to victory. Uh, we wouldn't have won, and we wouldn't have done everything that we have without it. Uh, I think that started something that we're still trying to do today. We are a reflection of society in the U.S. Army and in any of the other branches. And bringing this change of, of culture, bringing this out, not only for, for our soldiers, but for our family members, seeing a different world, being um, included and seeing the diversity across the world, something that most families can't see unless they are in the Army or in the military, is a unique opportunity. And if we use it correctly... Uh, we can better ourselves and we can better society. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I, I know, like, 
what you mentioned about how people outside the army can't really see that. That's something that I, I bring up a lot when I talk to civilians, just tell them, like if I'd been in almost any other career field, I wouldn't have an opportunity to meet several people from like Haiti or Nepal or Bangladesh that are all, you know, all on the same team. It's just, um, you have an opportunity to meet people from incredibly diverse backgrounds. And, uh, so sir, uh, where do you, um, how do you see the the hike then fulfilling the uh, the Army Heritage Month mission? Well, Sergeant Negron uh, brilliantly just uh, talked about the intent of this uh, this concept that we got going on on Friday. It's going to be a snapshot of the hollowed ground we're going to walk across. Um, that um, what's seventy two years earlier, uh, what some of the fiercest battles in the Korean War. Um, and ultimately change the tide of the war, as well as a snapshot of society of, of the time and highlight how things were back then and how they are now. And uh, really just take a, it's gonna be like a, a staff ride light. Uh, the, the Camp Carroll pers- service members up there, uh, they get to do it a lot. The intent is to get a lot of Camp Henry, Camp Walker uh, out, of their, uh, out of their barracks and get up north there to do it for the first time, um, something they normally wouldn't have known about, and see the big museum as an opportunity to follow back on and learn more about about the war. But uh, that's the overall intent, get everybody out. We're just coming out of the COVID cloud, and uh, definitely feel the tide is changing for uh, getting back to the real world. And this is a great opportunity to uh, take part of Army Heritage Month. Uh, it's, we're also going to celebrate the Army birthday there. Um, oh yeah, with the little cakes. Oh great. June June is a busy month. There's there's the Army Heritage Month, uh, Army birthday, uh, Flag Day, Pride Month. Uh, Juneteenth as well. Just right, added yeah, it as, very as well. busy. We got the change of command at the end of the month. Change too. of command. <laughs> throw in Katusa Friendship Week. June June's going to burn by. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think that's something interesting about Camp Carroll. And I said I bring it up a lot of times when we have guests from Carroll, like to be able to, I think uh, Colonel May, who was at Six Ordinance, he brought up, like he can turn and look out his office window and see Hill 303 where this, you know, historic battle that'll be looked look back upon for the forever probably i mean as long as we're here um and especially like for it's important for anyone stationed down here to experience it because you know the battle used to be here i mean the war was the the perimeter was in daegu <laughs> at that sure. point and it's just fascinating to look at that and i, I think um also just to look at from an army perspective, I mean, these weren't infantry soldiers who were up there. They were engineers, I think, who were defending this hill. I mean, they were, you know, any 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 soldier they could find, you know, was was put in that position. So um, I think you both described uh, Army Heritage Month really well. And there, there's a whole, uh, we'll put it in the show description, but there's a, a website also that explains that as well. Um, but why don't we transition a little bit to uh, more your office. So the Army Heritage Month is one thing you do, but um, sir, you mentioned in the beginning kind of how your eyes have been open to a lot, to this career field. Could you touch on that a little bit? Sure. Obviously, I knew about the DOX, the Commander's Climate Survey. Um, what I've um, been eye-open to was the handling a multitude of issues at the lowest level th- through focus groups, through remediation, through communication. Uh, and the biggest asset that we have with the unit to support the commander is our equal opportunity leaders. Uh, each battalion and and company has a primary and alternate uh, 
Uh, we just had a graduation class a couple weeks ago, 17 uh, fresh graduates, and we have another class coming up in July. And they are our eyes and ears in that unit. So if there's a little smoke, we can go in together collectively with the EOL, with the commander, and squash whatever issues at hand. And that has been refreshing to see that things don't escalate uh, by by the infrastructure that the Army put in place. Uh, we can go right in there and just squash it. So mm. that, that's been the biggest thing for me, handling things at the lowest level, things you don't have to bring up to the flagpole. Just like uh, Colonel Campbell said, for me has been being able, also being able to take care of everything at the lowest level. So conflict will happen. As long as you put people together, conflict will happen. It's about turning that conflict into being constructive versus destructive. And the only way, the only way we can do that is through communication. A lot of the issues that we have is bad communication or misunderstandings and being able to have a conversation uh, with different people, being able to put them together, do a little bit of conflict management in order for them to understand the point across. Most of the time it's not, uh, it's not negative in, in any type of way, uh, but the way it was understood uh, th- didn't match the intent. And that is where a lot of our conflict comes from. So being able to mitigate that and do it at the lowest level, um, it's probably the best thing that we do uh, in our office because we can squash anything out before it becomes a problem, before it has to go into a commander or to a first sergeant or a sergeant major for that matter in order to be resolved. We can do that before it even happens. We can stop it before something escalates. And I would think keeping it at the lowest level, finding a solution there will ultimately benefit the unit's cohesion more than if it has to be, you know, taken up to the top and, and adjudicated up there. Uh, absolutely. It, it does. Uh, it helps a lot. And it also helps those leaders and those soldiers to grow and understand how other think, how other people think, uh, not just about how they see the world, but how others see it and how their socialization change, their diversity, where they come from, what they learn. Uh, as they were growing up and just because you put on the uniform doesn't mean that you immediately become the seven army values it, it doesn't sure. happen you still have your own core values and he's understanding that and and having that just general understanding and knowledge of it and that everybody don't think the same way that we all are different and that is a good thing hmm. um, it's one of the things that help us overcome these issues and move forward so it's just about them growing not just about stopping an issue before it happens. It's about making sure that you grow and learn from others. So, you know, take learning something from the whole process, not just simply like you everyone like agree to disagree or something like that. Correct. Hmm. And so do you th- have you seen it with the uh, COVID, me- COVID restrictions going down, more in-person uh, unit events, more less teleworking? Have you, have you seen uh, some of these conflicts maybe change since people have been coming back to the office or communication get better? So I haven't really noticed any big changes uh, personally. Um, what we have noticed is that with people being together, um, actually it might be improving the morale. Um, so it's not necessarily having complaints, not necessarily having issues, but the morale itself, being able to go into the office, actually see other people, is actually improving. So I, I will say that it will probably decrease, but we might go through a certain point of um, adjusting back to being in person, which um, 
it might create some issues later on. Uh, but as of right now, the morale seems to be improving, which is a really good thing. Hmm. And uh, so, so t- let's talk about that EOL class you mentioned. So who, who is eligible to take that? So in Korea, um, specialist promotable and above through captain non-promotable can attend. Uh, and this is because uh, we, 8th Army, allowed a specialist promotable to go. Normally, outside of Korea, it'll be a sergeant promotable all the way through captain non-command that's able to attend. And so this is, uh, so they act as kind of your liaison in the unit. Do they also conduct training or what, what other kind of duties do they take with them? So they can conduct training. Uh, we use training support packages, so they have to use the um the training support package in order for the training to be valid the commander must be present to validate the training so eols even though we work together they actually work for the commander and make sure that they run the policies and enforce the policies of that commander whether it be at the company level the battalion level even a detachment uh, we handle the brigade as the equal opportunity advisors we handle the brigade and above elements uh, for units but we still communicate and we continue training with the EOLs in order to prepare them uh, to be able to take uh, uh, some informal complaints. They can take mm. informal complaints. They cannot take formal complaints. Uh, they are instructed of that. And then if they have any issues, if they have any requirements for us, like, for example, doing a command climate assessment, whether it be through a DOX, whether it be through focus groups, to individual interviews, they can help us coordinate with the commander in order for us to go in, the Equal Opportunity Advisors, to go in and conduct that assessment for the commander. So they actually help us a lot, and there are eyes and ears and on the ground. So we can talk to soldiers, we know what's going on. They're the ones that can tell us exactly what's going on on the field. Hmm. And uh, what what have you seen? We, we recently had an IG episode we released a few weeks ago, and we talked with them about uh, misconceptions about IG. Do you have any misconceptions or frequently asked questions about EO? Yes, first off, we don't investigate anything. It's it's not our job. So when we, we wear these patches and we go into units, people always assume things that are not necessarily the case. And that that just takes communication with the commanders, with, with the units that... Uh, we're doing battlefield circulation here, you know, for your commander. You know, we're we're here for for him and down to the lowest soldier. You know, we just want everybody to be treated uh, with fairness and equality, so that unit can accomplish their mission. Clear cut. That doesn't get more, you know, much more con- complicated than that. Um, what about you, Sergeant Negron? Yeah. So I want to touch on one of the misconceptions <laughs> for the DOX. Mm-hmm. Uh, so DOX, um, because. When participants take a DOX, they usually have to put in their information. Uh, but that information is only for statistics and for to, to put in, like, for example, if they're asking you for rank, um, it's mainly to be able to separate whether either senior or junior, whether be enlisted or officer. Uh, if it's asking for sex or gender, is because they're trying to separate how do you perceive yourself and how to allocate that. The thing is that actually no one can see that. That is uh, that is machine um, separated. All that gets pulled through a computer through a server, and it gets deleted immediately after. Huh. So once it's put in, uh, the only thing that gets that stays in record, other than just the statistics itself, just the numbers and percentages, 
is the actual comments for the short answer questions, the ones that you actually type and put in the comments. Everything else gets deleted, so no one will be able to see. Yeah, like, so if you're an, e, an e, e, E2, you know, you're thinking, like, how many E2s are there in my unit? You know, if they see this, they'll mm -hmm. probably know who it is. But, cool. but that's not the case, because they won't see it. So at least you need five responses from each individual category. Like, for example, if you are in a unit that's predominantly let's say male, and you don't have at least five females to take the survey, it will not be separated by sex. I it will see. only come okay. in as a general um, general statistics, general numbers, because there's not enough to separate it without putting the putting that person from being, um, being able to be recognized based on the data or based on their answers. So you actually won't show up. So we only see percentages, uh, percentages and numbers and then if there is enough, then we might be able to have a breakdown, whether it be by sex, whether it be by enlisted officer, one officers, civilians. Um, that's one of the reasons why they ask for that information, but nothing is stored. We don't receive mm -hmm. anything. No one can see it. We can't even see who has not taken the, the survey. Can I, can I piggyback on the yeah, Deox yeah. topic? It mm -hmm. is Deox season right now. We've got a lot of new commanders coming in, a lot of new soldiers coming in, a lot of soldiers leaving. Um, please do not blow off that email link. That is your opportunity to make an impact to your unit. doesn't matter if you're leaving in a couple weeks, you know, or if you have another year on the pen. Um, that is a tool for the commander to come up with a commander's action plan to um, highlight the, the survey highlights what's going good in the unit and what needs some work in the unit. So that is your opportunity to be a voice uh, to your chain of command. So don't blow it off. It, you get a lot of emails coming in, you know, how your dental appointment was and all those. I get that. Mm -hmm. But but um, if you're in a unit, you owe it to your your chain of command. Get, give the new commander a, a fair shake. If, if you're not happy how things were, you know, put that out there. If you're happy for things that are going great, put that out there. Um, but that is your opportunity um, to just spend a couple minutes. They, they take no more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah I did mine uh, a few weeks ago. Sure. Yeah, it really didn't take that long. Okay, so um, so again, so this episode was coming out the day of the hike. So if you're listening to this, unfortunately, you can't go on it. But um, definitely take an, you know, look for an opportunity to visit Hill 303. And then uh, look for information about Army Heritage Month. There should be some other materials out there. There's the, the website you can check out um, in the show notes. And uh, anything else we miss you want to touch on? If you missed this one, uh, we're working on making this more routine for the Camp Henry, Camp Walker oh, specifically. Uh, we want to get family members involved. We want to get everybody up there to see uh, the heritage and, and uh, the hollowed grounds that we're so close to. So this is going to be a uh, routine event uh, hosted by the Mio Shop. Okay. Well, I want to thank both of you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, Sergeant Negron, Colonel Campbell, the uh, Military Equal Opportunity Shop here at 19th DSC. And, uh, yeah, it was great to have you on. And uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Every Soldier Counts.